Welcome in to another edition of the All Things Bama podcast powered by BamaCentral.com, your Sports Illustrated home for all Alabama Crimson Tide news and information. I'm your host, Tyler Martin. And joining with me for the first time in a couple of weeks is Joey Blackwell, staff writer at Bama Central, here to talk uh, basketball season preview mainly, but we also want to obviously talk about football as well and coming off a hard-fought win against LSU over the weekend and basketball tips off on Tuesday night against Louisiana Tech. This is obviously being listened to on Wednesday morning, um, so after the first basketball game. So, uh, But, Joey, first let's dive into – uh, what we witnessed kind of this weekend and, and kind of moving forward and what we've heard from Saban and the players this week in Tuscaloosa, man. I mean, I'll start it. Obviously, the offensive line is really, to me, the story of the game, right, um, in terms of the negative. And, and six rushing yards, that's not going to get the job done, um, typically against any other team with a pulse, to be honest with you, Joey. And um, just you got to think, Alabama had a bye week, too. So you have two weeks out since the last time you played against Tennessee, and this is the performance that you gave. I understand a lot of fans' angst, anxiety, you know, their frustrations, whatever you want to call it. I understand it. Um, and this, this isn't obviously the performance we expected from this team. Um, but, man, they, they've got to get better in a hurry because, you know, Arkansas in two weeks can, can pose some issues. Auburn, obviously. And then you look at Georgia and Atlanta. Um, they, they've got to get better quickly. Yeah, they have to get a lot better a lot quickly. Obviously, you know, the loss of Darian Dalcourt really threw them for a loop over the course of the game. He's still day-to-day right now. We don't know if he'll be back this weekend, as Saban said yesterday. Um, his status is still unknown right now. But the good news is, is that it's New Mexico State, so hopefully he can get ready for Arkansas the week after with that sprained ankle. But that really threw them for a loop. And having Chris Owens, you know, shift back over to center, you know, and, and Damian George step in at right tackle, it was it – was, it was a weird adjustment because, you know, prior to the season when we got to go to a couple of practices, they had Chris Owens playing center because obviously he took over from at center last year when Landon Dickerson went down with his injury in the SEC championship game. And so we kind of expected him to start at center this year anyways. But then, of course, when uh, when the, the new COVID strain came about, we weren't allowed to go to practices anymore. And when the Miami game came around, Chris Owens wasn't at center. They had him at right tackle and they had a Dalcourt at center. But anyways, Chris Owens shifting over to center wasn't the issue, though. It was having Damian George step up and having to play right tackle. That's where a lot of the issues happened. Chris Owens was a little sluggish as well. Um, but just the offensive line in general, like you said, you know, six rushing yards on 26 carries, you know, four sacks for a loss of 45 yards of Bryce Young, just very ineffective. Bryce Young didn't have – he did what he could, but he wasn't able to escape in a lot of situations because of that uh, that weak offensive line and – um, a lot of problems on offense, drop passes from Cameron Latu, Jameson Williams, John Mechie. Just, it's just been a – it was just a really, really tough week for Alabama. It's, and a lot of people, fans in general, expected a lot from them because this is a LSU team that has had a lot of injuries and issues on defense. They're having a really down year. Um, coming into Bryant-Denny Stadium, people thought that Alabama was going to kind of play with a chip on their shoulders because of the – things that Orderon said and LSU did last time they were in Brighton-Denny Stadium in 2019. But Alabama was still able to get the win, and at the end of the day, that's what matters. But at the same time, uh, the fashion that it was conducted was not at all impressive. Yeah, you're exactly right, Joey. 79, Chris. And I obviously don't want to call any players out. I don't want to do that. I don't want to bash anybody. Um, But that entire offensive line as a unit, and Chris Owens specifically, 
he's got to be a leader on this on this unit. I mean, this is why you come for a six year, right? This is why you sit there and say, I'm going to take my COVID year. I'm going to come back and be a better player. And we, we've we seen it in spurts at, at here and there maybe throughout this year. We haven't seen it in bunches. Um, and, and really for Alabama to elevate and be the kind of team it needs to be in order to win an SEC championship or national title, they need 79 to step up. And uh, Evan Neal, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say Evan Neal, he's had – you know, he's got he's had his own issues at times. You know, he's still going to be a top pick in, in next spring's draft, but he's got everybody's got to step up on this offensive line. I, I saw issues from everybody on that offensive line on Saturday night, and that was the bad. Let's move on to the good, though, Joey. Jamison Williams, right? 10 catches, you know, 160 plus yards, a touchdown. He was really good. Uh, defense, Will Anderson. I mean, my God, Will Anderson is just phenomenal. It's just Watching him play, play football is just we, – we should, we should be it's, – it's a privilege for us to be able to watch him play football each and every week. It, I mean, it really is. I mean, I have not seen – I mean, probably in the last six to seven years, uh, an Alabama player that just has this kind of explosion, this kind of pop, this kind of aurora about him, and just where no matter who's lining up against him, no matter if you try to double team and triple team and whatever, put him on one-on-one on an island, he's going to get past you. He's going to get in the backfield. Um, you know, the 10 sacks through nine games – uh, you know, he's got so many tackles for loss. And it, it's really funny, you know, hearing players talk about it on Tuesday about, you know, how he should be in the Heisman conversation. Because I'll tell you what, I know Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle at Georgia, gets a lot of love. And he, you know, rightfully so. I think he's a darn good player. Heisman love, he, he doesn't deserve that, in my opinion. If there's any defender in the country who deserves the Heisman trophy, it's Will Anderson Jr. Well, you know, when you're thinking about the Heisman, you know, the Heisman was given to a player that, you know, most effectively impacts the game at their position. And there's no doubt that Will Anderson just impacts every single game that he's in. I mean, he's just, he's just a wrecking ball on opposing offenses and other teams have to prepare for him. And when you're a player, when, when you're a coach of an opposing team that have to prepare a game plan for a particular player, that shows how big of an impact um, you can be. Um, I think Will Anderson deserves at least a Heisman nod, or and at least at least he might not win. I mean, he's most likely not going to win the Heisman, but I think he at least deserves a trip to New York <laughs> um, for the ceremony. Um, but you know, he's leading the nation right now, obviously in tackles for loss. He's a half sack behind, I believe, uh, in leading the nation in sacks, and um, he's just just done so phenomenally well, and he's carried himself really well this season, and. The fact that, you know, we, we see um, other players, veterans, you know, juniors and seniors talk about Will Anderson um, as, a, as, as if he's a role model and he's a leader on the team, despite people forget Will Anderson's only a sophomore. He still has one more year to play at Alabama before he could potentially leave. Um, and it's showing that that level of maturity and that level of character um, that level of leadership as a, as a young player is very encouraging and just shows that he could step onto a field tomorrow in the NFL and, and do just fine, I think. Um, he, he's that level of talent, and um, Alabama is definitely fortunate to have gotten him, that's for sure. Yeah, no, and he was certainly the good on Saturday night, and Bryce Young as well, he did make some plays. But also, too, you know, just kind of moving forward, Joey, the last couple weeks, to me, I mean – the, and maybe because you're in on the press conference, maybe you have a different view on this. So from, from here with Nick Saban, right? So after the Tennessee game is when there was something that really kind of perked my eye up and, and really just, I was like, what? Okay. He was, you know, it was a one possession game early in the fourth quarter. Alabama, we know, pulled away, right? 
Nick Saban, mm-hmm. after the game, you know, he was asked about, you know, kind of the struggles because that's what Nick Saban, you know, he's, he's obviously, you know, he's very business-like, very, hey, you know what, we need to, no matter how many points we win by, this is what needs to be fixed, right? And mm-hmm. after, in the post game, he goes, hey, can we just enjoy this win, right? Can we just enjoy this win? And then he did that a little bit on Saturday too, right? So mm-hmm. I don't know if, if there's a if there's a change there going on. You know what I'm saying? It may be intensity or not on, maybe not on Saban's part. You you do see it in the players, right? You do see it in execution, things like that. I'm just sitting here trying to diagnose what's the issue. And it's not Nick Saban. It, to me, it, it, to me, it falls largely on the players. Now, Bill O'Brien's play calling was a little suspect, in my opinion. And I'm, I'm curious to know what you guys thought because you know, late in the stretch in that in that in that uh, LSU game, when you can't run the football to run the clock out, that's an issue. And then on the pass one of the passing plays, when you put Jamison Williams, when you make him, you know, an ineligible receiver, and then you get a grounding penalty, that's an I mean, that's another mishap, right? And then we always know the next play there were, there was the non-targeting call, which should have been targeting. Um, but to me, man, fumble the play after that. <laughs> yeah. There's just a, a, a clinch. It's just a bunch. Of, there's a there's a mess right now, right? Trying to figure out what what is this team. And I also thought this week, you know, last couple of days after the game is, man, it really makes you appreciate what we saw in 2020. Yeah, you know, going back to what you said about saving, you know, I think it could be a, a, a variety of factors. But, you know, I think this team is just a – while it has, you know, a decent amount of players returning from last year, I think the mentality of this team is very different. I think this is a much more sensitive team. And that's not, that's not, I'm not using that in a negative way. I just think that they're much, they respond much more to criticism. And, but they also, at the same time, they're much more receptive to what Saban would call rat poison. I think they, they listen to a lot of the media. They read a lot. They drink the Kool-Aid. That's not a, that's not a McKinstry reference, but they drink the Kool-Aid and, you know, I think they buy into that and they have just a different mentality than we've seen from the team like last year that even when they were beating teams, you know, 56 to six, they were still talking about how they needed to improve. Um, And I think that Saban is very well aware of that. And I think he's probably behind the scenes put a big emphasis on enjoying the win for 24 hours just so players can have that mentality for a day because that's their natural mentality but then getting back to work on Monday and we've also seen players you know we've heard about the 24-hour rule before you know both you and I have over the past few years um, but you really hear it you know mentioned a lot this year it seems like every post game you hear Bryce Young talk about it Jamison Williams Will Anderson everybody talks about how they're enjoying the win and then getting back to work and I think that that might be one of the reasons why we're seeing Saban, because I noticed it after the Tennessee game, and I noticed this past week, I I kind of, I didn't expect it after the Tennessee game, but I, it was acceptable. But this past weekend was kind of surprising because obviously Alabama played a far from perfect game this past weekend, but to see Saban come out and still be like, let's enjoy the win, we beat LSU, you know, and honestly kind of shirk negativity, it was definitely surprising. Yeah, and obviously I'm not saying there's been a you know Nick Saban's you know moving on down. I'm not I'm not saying. I mean, obviously I don't want people to think I'm saying that. I'm just saying I, I just think you have to. And he's he's the great. He is the great adapter. He adapts really really well. And I just think you know he's kind of adapting to really the personality of this team and still trying to figure out you know in week ten how to get this team to come together finally right and get, be what this team expected it to be. And they'll have another shot to do that on Saturday against New Mexico State, which, according to Nick Saban, is a dangerous team because of what they can do through the air. So, uh, so yeah, you know, Alabama 55-point 50, favorites, I think, uh, 55 or 53, something like that, around that range. But, yes, and New Mexico State, very, very dangerous team. 
um, coming to Tuscaloosa on Saturday at 11 o'clock. All right, Joey, let's move off of football and talk about basketball, man. Basketball season's finally here, and by the time people will listen to this, Alabama-Louisiana Tech will have already played. So we're not really going to dive into that game too much. We're just talking about a season preview overall, man. So Alabama, right, you know, you're coming into this season 14th in the country in the AP poll. Uh, a lot of expectations, right? That's what Nate Oates has done, you know, going into his third year now, raising the level, raising the standard. And, you know, you lose Herb Jones, you lose John Petty, you lose Alex Reese, Jordan Bruner, um, and Josh Primo, who was a lottery pick. You, you lose a lot of key pieces, right? But they were able to rebuild in recruiting with guys like J.D. Davison, uh, you know, Jason Holt. They were able to, get, you know, in the transfer portal as well. When you think of a Noah, Noah Gurley and then, you know, also too another big high-profile recruit from the high school ranks, Charles Bediaco, who I think, you know, I, I, and this is, like I said, this is going to go on Wednesday morning. But I think on Tuesday night, he's going to have a massive game against Louisiana Tech. Um, I think that's a big mismatch for them. And um, really just, you know, and, and Javon Quinterly's back. Um, and I'm Jane Shackford's back. So I'm interested to see, Joey, to me, that the biggest question I have is how, which, which guard pairings does Nate Oates have out there, right? I know he likes playing three or four guards at a time, but, you know, is it, you know, is it J.D. Davison and Javon Quinterly for the majority of the game? Uh, really, you know, doing, having the duties of the ball handler. I, I'm curious to see that. Well, let's not forget about Keon Ellis. Um, Keon Ellis is somebody that's been really impressive. You know, he didn't get a lot of talk in the offseason until about a month or so ago. And then when they announced the SEC first team, in preseason first team, you saw both Jaden Shackelford and, and Javon Quinley talk about how, you know, how Keon Ellis was snubbed. And uh, after, uh, after the uh, Louisiana um, game, not Louisiana Tech, a charity exhibition game against the Raging Cajuns. I asked uh, Keon Ellis if he felt like he had a chip on his shoulder because of all that. He said that he did, and that he's, you know, he's in the, his response um, to that, to being, you know, snubbed, air quotes there, um, is that he just has to go out there and play his best game. And, you know, he led Alabama in points, you know, against the Raging Cajuns. He had 21. He also had, uh, I think he had four steals, a block, uh, four rebounds, if, I, if memory serves correct. Um, and just it played very, very well. So I'm interested to see, you know, with his rise, I mean, yes, he's a senior um, being a JUCO transfer, but um, he still has this final year. I'm interested to see how well he plays and who they pair him with. J.D. Davison's obviously, uh, I believe he's going to be a starter. Um, they have a lot of depth at the guard position. Jaden Shackelford obviously could be a starter. You have Javon Quinley just I'm interested to see if Jaden Shackelford starts tonight, though, because he did have a very poor offensive outing um, against the Raging Cajuns in the exhibition game. Um, but I could see him starting tonight because I said yesterday that he's had some really good shooting practices and has done has improved remarkably over the past couple of weeks. So, but you know, talking about the front court, they also have so much depth now that they didn't have. You know, Alex Chiku comes back off of his Achilles injury. Obviously, he'll be out the first couple of games because of his suspension. But then they have Charles Bediaco. Um, they have um, Noah Gurley, who's I feel like will probably serve like a Jordan Bruner-esque type role, you know, just a guy that brings experience to the position and leadership um, coming here from, you know, after four years at Furman. Um, and I'm really just intrigued to see how, you know, how the front court, it's just, there's so much depth right now compared to last year, but with Alabama basketball, there's always injuries. And right now we only have um, Namari Burnett, who's out, but then also, uh, James Rojas will be out for at least the first month of the season. Um, but once he gets back, the depth will be there. And this team really has a lot of potential to be very dangerous in the SEC. Yeah, Alabama picked the finish second in the Southeastern Conference behind Kentucky. 
Joey, I, I, I have a tough time placing Alabama in, in my preseason standings in the SEC if I, you know, do power rankings or whatever. I, I think coming into the year, they're two right behind Kentucky. I do think that's – but where I think they're finished, um, I think their ceiling is obviously as high as winning the whole thing um, in terms of the SEC title. And I think their floor is as low as four. I think they're they're going to be a consistent top four team in the SEC because when you look at the the really just the 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 nature of the conference this year, so many teams are poised to have bounce back years, including Kentucky. Tennessee is poised to have a really really good season. Auburn is poised to bounce back after a postseason ban last year. Mississippi State will be improved. So I heard an interview with Brian Hodgson a couple of days ago. You know, just talking about how much of a war this is going to be week in week out every single night you know whether you're playing Vanderbilt whether you're playing Missouri you know so it, to me I, I think Alabama is going to finish realistically anywhere from two uh, one to four um, I, I think they're easily one of the top four teams in this league right now um, but if I had if I had to put a preseason winner I'd probably go chalk and go Kentucky just because they have a you know they've able to been get get t- talent through the transfer portal this year and Calipari's still been able to get some five stars in we'll see how they mesh um, early on in the season, but but Alabama to me, man, their their road to repeat is going to be really really difficult. Yeah, and let's not forget Arkansas either. Arkansas, you know, is another program on the rise in the SEC that performed really well last year, that made it deep into the, the NCAA tournament. Um, and um, I, I think that they're going to be another contender, like you said, Auburn, Tennessee, Kentucky, the usual suspects. LSU, not as much uh, anticipation for or expectations for them this year, but they're still going to be solid because they're LSU and Will Wade has done a decent job recruiting down there. So, um, but yeah, it's going to be a very tough conference, and that was something that I kind of touched on in my um, in my basketball preview that's on Bama Central right now that I came out with today was how loaded with talent the SC is and and just how difficult it's going to be for Alabama to, you know, do what they did last year, which was remarkable that they were able to pull off what they were. I think uh, with – I think there was what, – what were they, Tyler? 16-1, 16-2 in the conference? Yes, um, in the conference, you know, they, they play 18, yeah. but remember the A&M game couldn't get played in College Station last year because mm-hmm. of the COVID issues with them. Yeah, it's just remarkable what they were able to do last year. And, this year, you know, we, right now we're talking about the conference play, but at the same time, they have an incredibly difficult non-conference schedule, which in my opinion is the toughest in the country. You know, you play three of last year's final four teams as well as a tough Memphis team on the road. And the ESPN Events Invitational is going to have Iona, who LM struggled with last year with Coach Rick Pitino, um, and obviously Gonzaga in Seattle. That's going to be a tough uh, road game. Um, just a lot of really top-tier opponents for Alabama. But the good news is that, all of those games are going to be before January, before SEC play uh, really gets going, except for the Baylor game. Of course, that will be the SEC Big 12 challenge. But um, it's going to be a it's going to be a tough road. But at the same time, um, it's it's definitely doable. If Alabama can get a get a good roll early, they can be playing their best basketball by March after they iron out the Kings. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that stretch of that tournament down in Orlando. You think of Iona. And then potentially if they get to the championship of that tournament or that, you know, that, that, pre, that preseason tournament uh, in air quotes mm-hmm. there, uh, they would play Kansas, Gonzaga, mm-hmm. Memphis, Houston, or, mm-hmm. or Houston, Memphis. I'm sorry. There's those are back to back, but flip. I mean, that's, I mean, that find me a harder stretch of four games for anyone on their schedule. You can't, you, you can't mm-hmm. do it. You can't do it. Um, and so for me, you know, kind of when we start talking about lineups and we start talking about, who we're excited about seeing, Joey. Everyone's going to say J.D. Davison. And, and as someone who's covered J.D. since he was a sophomore in high school, I know what he can bring to the table. He's going to be electric. He's going to be Russell Westbrook-like. 
Uh, but the player I'm most excited about, I mentioned him earlier, man. I'm most excited to see Charles Bediaco and see what a seven-footer can do in NATO's offense. Yeah, Charles Bediaco is going to do well. Excuse me. And he performed well against the Raging Cajuns. You know, he, he only had five points. Um, he was seven, three for three. He didn't do so well from the free throw line. He was three of seven. But he did, uh, he, he did do well. You know, he provided a lot of length, which is something that Alabama has missed. You know, he is at seven feet tall. Um, he did also have, uh, I believe he had one steal and three blocks, um, but he, he, he will provide just that extra added dimension to their bigs, you know, in the front court and um, can definitely do some damage. Um, he's also um, really good from beyond the arc. Typically he can shoot a, a deep three ball, which is good. You know, a lot of times that catches teams off surprise, but one of Alabama's um, things that they have stacked against them this year is that now they have a target painted on their back, which they didn't last year. And now that people are going to be researching them better, they're going to be looking, they're going to be circling them on the calendar, particularly SEC teams are going to be doing so. So players like Betty Aka won't be able to go under the radar as well as they might have last year. And so uh, I remember what John Petty said last year. He was like, if, it was, I think it was after the Missouri game in, in Coleman. He was like, oh, if, if they want it, they can come get it too. So that's what it's going to be, right? Like <laughs> these, I mean, the, I mean, not in, it's going to be a war in the SEC, man. I, I genuinely believe the SEC's got a chance to be the top basketball conference in the country this year. I mean, the Big Ten mm -hmm. was phenomenal last year, you know, getting, you know, uh, three one seeds and a couple two seeds. They were really, really solid from top to bottom. But the SEC, man, I mean, when you start thinking about it, Joey, I'll go and I just I – mean, we named a couple of them. Kentucky, Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, Auburn, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss is right on the borderline. LSU, Florida. I mean – I just named nine, 10 teams that I think can make the NCAA tournament, man. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it's, I mean, and not all of them are going to be able to make it, but it's, but it's going to be a battle and they've got a really great shot at, at getting nine. And I, I think there's a really strong argument for them to get nine in um, depending on what happens in the non-conference play. Obviously um, you mentioned Charles Bediaco. Who are you most excited to see? Or is, is it JD? Is it, is it Noah Gurley? Who do you, I mean, who do you think is going to be kind of the breakout star for Alabama this year? Well, I think if as far as terms of breakout star, I think Noah Gurley has a lot going for him. Um, when we saw him in practice for the for the open practice we were able to attend, he was kind of stealing the show, and he was also really good. He, I think he got three assists in like the ten minutes we were able to watch, passing the ball to J.D. Davidson and Shackelford. So he's a team guy. He also provides a lot of length, like Betty Yako. I think he provide, and he also brings a lot of experience with him from Furman, which is something that this team does need. Um, I, I'm really excited to see what Gurley can do for Alabama. Um, as far as who I'm most intrigued by this year, I'm wanting to see how Oates utilizes Javon Quinley because last year, you know, we saw him coming off the bench a lot uh, in, in most situations. He was fantastic off the bench, and he only got hotter and hotter as the season went on. Obviously, at you know being named SEC tournament MVP, and then also being one of Alabama's key players and why they got to the Sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament. Um, but I'm wanting to see how he's utilized this year. It does Oates actually finally pull the trigger and start him um, at guard, or does he continue to serve that bench role maybe until later in the season? That's what I'm going to be looking forward to tonight. Um, so, yeah, if I had to answer that question, it's kind of a two-part answer. Um, Javon Quinterly and Noah Gurley are the, my two players that I'm looking at tonight. Yeah, and all of this season, right, because, you know, Javon Quinterly has been on a watch list, the Bob Cousy Award. Um, as a chance, you know, to really win, to bring home some recognition to Alabama um, at the point guard position, like like 
Colin Sexton, like a Kyra Lewis. Um, and, you know, he's just potentially going to be next in line at that position. And two, you know, with Josh Primo being a lottery pick last year, and you look at this year, I mean, Keon Ellis has a shot to be drafted in the second round. I know Oates has talked about, you know, NBA teams really liking what they see from him because he's a great two-way player. He can, he's a three and D kind of guy, um, and he can get to the rim as well. Um, and then to Javon Quinterly, if he has the season that we've just talked about and that he expects to have, well, guess what? He'll be an NBA pick. So, you know, Alabama, again, when you look at it, Joey, on this roster, you know, and J.D. Davison, too. Let's, let's think about J.D. Davison, right? So he's, he's potentially going to be a one and done. So Alabama could have three to four NBA picks on this team right now. Yeah. I mean, if they were able to get, you know, two two picks last year, they could certainly get three this year. Um, and I, I think that's definitely a possibility. John Petty's already already is in the G League, you know, here in Birmingham playing for the squadron. And um, obviously we all know where Herb and Herb and uh, uh, Josh Primo ended up. But um, yeah, I think there definitely could be three or four picks this year. It's a this is the best roster that Oates has had at Alabama so far. And he had a really good one last year. So we'll just have to see if they can buy in and that all the players seem to have bought in to hit to his style of play. And, and that's why he's been able to do so good at recruiting. And it's going to be fun to see what they can do because obviously last year was a surprise. So now there's some expectations that come along with it and, you know, let's hope that he can live up to those expectations. All right, Joey, let's go ahead and talk about it. You know, bracketology, uh, Sports Illustrated had, had Alabama as a as a as a four seed um, in, in in their first edition of bracketology. Uh, where where do you see Alabama? You know, in March as of right now. You know, I think four seeds pretty accurate. I could see them being as high as a three seed um, if they're able to you know be runner up in the SEC tournament. I could see them going as high as a two seed potentially depending on how well, let's hypothetically say that Kentucky wins the SEC tournament and Alabama is that runner-up. Um, obviously, Kentucky winning the conference would likely be a one seed because they probably have a good record to back it up. Um, but I, th I think the ceiling for Alabama would be a three seed. I, um, I do think a two seed is kind of a – I'm sorry, I think it's a two seed. I don't see this Alabama team – quite with given their non-conference schedule i don't see them being able to rack in quite enough wins in order to make it as high as a one or a two but i think they could definitely be a three seed it just depends on how it plays out if alabama can win three of those five games against ranked opponents in uh, you know we already talked about memphis houston baylor gonzaga and kansas if they can win three of those five games they'll have their ticket punch relatively early um and i think that they can definitely make it i think they will make it but as far as seeding goes, I think a three is probably a realistic expectation there. Yeah, Joe Lenardi, uh, Joey Brackett has Alabama in his first, and his he released his first one on Tuesday morning. He has Alabama as a four seed as well, playing in Buffalo in the first round against who? South Dakota State, who Alabama actually plays on Friday inside Coleman Coliseum. Well, hopefully, whenever you guys listen to this, Alabama will be one and zero. We hope. Uh, maybe we can go back, you know, do some time travel and we can kind of predict the future. Uh, hopefully Alabama will be 1-0 against Louisiana Tech, which should be an exciting game. And, uh, and you know, what's cool. It's, I do want to talk about this as well before we, before we get off, Joey. They're going to honor Luke Ratliff on Tuesday night. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a blast. And, and I hope that this season um, people, fans and – and the team and, and coach Oates, I know they will. They'll just they'll they'll put Luke in their hearts, man, and and play with that kind of spirit that he embodied um, as a human being. And and man, is he going to be missed inside Coleman this year? Yeah, it's going to be you know even as a member of the media, you know it's going to be it's, it's going to be 
there's going to be feel like a piece is missing when you don't see Luke Ratliff in the front row um, of the student section. And um, I think the university and its administration has done a great job in, you know, go, going at lengths to, you know, remember him. And um, I think that the the plaid jacket for the, the president of the Crimson Chaos being a new thing um, to honor Luke, I think that's a brilliant idea. Um, and I'm looking forward to, to seeing it. And hopefully we'll have a packed student section tonight, a packed stadium, and hopefully there'll be a, a raucous crowd in honor of Luke tonight. And I know he wouldn't want it any other way. Well, there's that. And uh, hope you guys continue to follow Bama Central all week for coverage of Alabama, New Mexico State. Basketball season is kicking off Tuesday night. And, and we'll obviously be at games uh, giving, you know, Joey – the whole crew, Katie, will be there as well, um, and it's, it's going to be a blast this basketball season, Joey, and maybe, maybe, maybe they can recapture some of the magic from last season where, you know, it was, it was limited, it was limited, pro, uh, limited fans, so many protocols to jump through. That team last year deserved a full crowd, and I hope that this year uh, Alabama fans at Coleman can especially give them that. Well, you know, they broke the record for, you know, for season ticket holders. So hopefully, you know, not only will there be more fans here than, than in the past, but also hopefully those fans will bring the energy. Um, that's been a problem in Coleman Coliseum for some time. It wasn't last year, the year before. It really hasn't been an issue since NATO to Shona, but it was a problem in years past. But that's what's so exciting about covering this Alabama, Alabama basketball team is just the energy that Oates has brought into the stadium and into the program and kind of just reignited um the fan base and uh yeah that's why basketball is my favorite sport to cover and i look forward to being there tonight and i look forward to seeing you there awesome well that's joey blackwell i'm tyler martin this has been another edition of the all things bama podcast thank you for listening and make sure to like rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcast have a great week 